Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. So I'm wrapping up the Bones in the Bible uh, series with a message this morning entitled Wishbone Faith. Wishbone Faith. We're, we're going to close out this series with a topic that is really at the very, very core of our hope for eternity with Jesus. And that is, of course, the topic of faith. And my text is found in, in two different books of the Bible this morning. It's found in uh, part of it, Genesis, and then we're going to look at some scriptures from Joshua. But let's pray together this morning that God's anointing uh, is upon uh, this message and he speaks into our hearts. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we've gathered together this morning. Lord, let your anointing be upon your word as it speaks into our hearts today. And that is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis 47, 28 and 30, it says, Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for him to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him and Jacob worshipped as he leaped on the top of his staff. As he leaned on the top of his staff. And now Genesis 50 verses 24 through 26, it said, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. So both Jacob and his son Joseph are making these requests to have their bones carried up out of Egypt. It goes on to say, And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the track of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants." That's what we're going to talk about this morning, this inheritance of his bones being brought back into the land of Egypt. I want to talk to you, begin this morning a little bit, talking about wishful thinking. The things that we wish for. How many of you ever get involved in, in some wishful thinking? Let me see your hand. You know, we've all wished for things in our life. And I think it's fairly safe to say that most of the time, most of the time when we start uh, wishful thinking, it usually to, pertains to our personal benefit, doesn't it? You can be honest and just say, yeah, usually when I'm wishing about something. There was, a, came across this story, there was this really mean, cantankerous husband who just treated his wife terrible. She was just the sweetest thing. 
And they were on vacation, and they'd been driving for miles and miles with no conversation. And they, he sees this big tourist trap billboard that says, Genuine Wishing Well, may all your dreams come true. And he said, you know what, we're going to go take a look at that. And so they pulled off the road, and sure enough, there was this big wishing well. The wishes were only 50 cents apiece. And so she got out, the wife got out her, her, her two quarters, and she leaned over in that well, and she was making a wish and threw those quarters down. And I mean, it was a long, deep, dark drop. They just disappeared into the blackness. And so then it was his turn. And he got his two quarters and he leaned over. Well, you know what? He leaned over a little too far and shoo, he fell in. Down he went, disappeared into the darkness with his quarters and all. And his wife is just shocked. I mean, she's speechless. She's, she, she, she looks up and there was a few other people around. She said, I can't believe this. This thing really works. <laughs> little, <laughs> little joke about wishful thinking. Apparently, I enjoyed it more than you. <laughs> How many of you have made some pretty weird wishes in your life? How many of you are glad all of your wishes have not come true? When I was a kid, you will find this hard to believe, I received many spankings. How many of you find that hard to believe? Thank you, Dave. <laughs> You're my only friend. A lot of spanking, but I will, I, I will go on record as saying this. I don't think there was ever one time in my entire childhood that I ever received a spanking for something I didn't have coming. Because I've heard lots of kids, lots of stories, man, I get spanked all the time, it's not even my fault. Not me, it was always my fault. <laughs> I always, I'll even go on record as saying there were tons of times I never got a spanking because I didn't get caught doing whatever it was I was doing. Who can relate to, to, to this this morning? My goodness. But I do remember once in a while when I had really gotten under their nerves and I got a good walloping and I'd be sitting there crying <laughs> and, and I'd make this a couple times. I made this wish. I, I, I wish I'd just fall over dead. Boy, they'd feel so bad for giving me a spanking and that boy, that'd really teach them. See, I'm glad that wish never came true. Any of you ever wish that? I'm the only one that never did that? Well, I'm weird that way, I guess. <laughs> There's an old ritual that began in Europe that you're, you're probably familiar with. A lot of people do this whenever they're eating a chicken dinner. Is where they, man, they eat that old chicken right down to the bones and somebody ends up digging out the wishbone. And then two people, they get that wishbone and they square off, you know, making their wish. And uh, they both grab one end of that wishbone. They make their wish and they pull that thing into it. And then they look to see who ended up with the biggest piece. Because whoever has the biggest piece is going to receive whatever power that wishbone possesses, right? Now, I got to tell you, I don't put a lot of stock in that particular little passage of a uh, rite of passage, the old wishbone thing. Because, you know, let's face it, if there was any real power at all in that wishbone, that chicken probably wouldn't be dead, cooked, eaten down to the bone in the first place, right? I highly doubt the chicken ever wished for anything like that. But there is this type of wishbone 
concept in the Bible and these wishbones that are spoken of in the Bible, they, they really worked. These bones gave courage and faith, not only during the lifetime of that particular person, but for generations to come. Because it is possible for these old bones of ours to not only give a testimony today when we're alive and breathing, but even long after we're gone and, and these bones are left behind, they can still give testimony to future generations about our faith and our trust in God. And the question becomes, what kind of legacy are your bones going to leave? The Bible teaches us that we should live a, life, uh, live a life of faith in such a way that the very testimony of our life is going to continue to inspire faith long after we have passed from this earth. And that brings us to these two Scripture references today. Jacob, Joseph's father, he had been living in Egypt for 17 years. It was where he was at that moment calling home. It was at the end of his life. However, it wasn't where his heart was. His heart was still in the promised land, this promise that God had given them. And even though he'd been in Egypt for 17 years, he still didn't consider himself an Egyptian, right? He didn't look like an Egyptian. He didn't talk like an Egyptian. He didn't walk like an Egyptian. Let me see your hand if you even got that musical reference right there. Oh, okay. Okay, well, act like you got it then, man. <laughs> Give me a little encouragement up here. So he didn't, he, he still considered himself a Hebrew, one of God's chosen people. And he knew that he wasn't going to be home until he was back in the promised land, <coughs> dead or alive. And so I think it, it does bode the question why was this so important? I mean, at this point, you're dead, right? Why do you care where your bones are going to be taken? Well, I think Jacob knew if he became satisfied with Egypt and was buried in Egypt, his children would probably stay there, become very satisfied with Egypt, and their desire for God would just begin to dissipate. It was very, very important to Jacob for God to keep uh, for, for him to keep God's call at, at the forefront in his life and even in the forefront of his death, right? And that, that's a message that all moms and dads need to hear this morning. The decisions that you make in life, they shouldn't just be based on what's going to affect your personal relationship with God. You need to think of how your decisions and choices will affect your children's walk with God. Because Jacob could have said, hey, I don't care, just plant me here, it's good. But he knew they would all stay there, and that was going to have disastrous effects on their life, the environment that they'd be in. So Jacob, he, he lived for God's promises, even though he had to stay in Egypt for a pretty good portion of his life. He didn't want his family to lose focus on what he knew was really, really important in life. There's a great quote I came across one time. Before I tell you who said it, I'll just see if any of you know who said it. This is a great quote. This uh, famous American said, 
America was founded by people who believed that God was their rock of safety. However, I believe that we must be cautious in always claiming that God is on our side. Rather, I think we must continually ask ourselves if we are on God's side. That is a great quote, isn't it? Anybody know who said it? Ronald Reagan. What an impressive quote. He said that in his second inaugural address, January 25th, 1984. What a great quote. What message about priorities in life are our kids hearing from us? What are we identifying as home in our hearts, right? You know, is it, is it good jobs, big houses, nice cars? Are those, are those the things that we want if we're going to consider ourselves successful in life? You know, I've, been, I've served on the Teen Challenge Board for coming up on almost 20 years, and I've been to a lot of Teen Challenge graduations, services, heard many, many Teen Challenge students give their testimony. And I'll tell you, I, there's one thing I've heard many times down through the years. I've heard someone say, you know, my desire was for a big house and a nice car, and so I started dealing drugs. And then their whole life went south. And, and I will tell you this morning, oh yeah, if, if you start dealing drugs, you are certainly going to leave a legacy in your children's lives, right? There's a lot of things, a lot of choices we make that leave legacies in our children's life. And we need to stop and think about those choices that we make on a day-in and day-out basis. Hopefully, our children watch our lives and they get the message that the only thing they need to achieve ultimate success is a strong relationship with Jesus. Hopefully that's the message we're sending. Hopefully that's the legacy that we're leaving. You know, they're getting messages every day from us. They, whether you think they are or not, they get messages from us every day. Sometimes if we don't even have to open our mouths and speak a word. Our kids get messages, right? We need to ask ourselves, which messages are we sending? You know, Jacob requests that immediately after his death, his body be carried up out of Egypt, taken to the promised land. And further proof that Jacob wasn't worried about missing heaven, that he wouldn't say, I need my bones taken to promised land or they won't let me into heaven. That wasn't it. Because earlier he had said, when I rest with my fathers, I want you to carry me out of Egypt. So he knew he was going to heaven regardless. He wasn't worried about himself, right? He knew that upon his death, he was going to be in fellowship with all of these other saints of God. So why be so concerned that his bones be not be left behind in Egypt? He didn't want the chosen people to keep their hearts and their minds in Egypt. Egypt was just this temporary dwelling place. They had a much better place awaiting them, right? And man, that is still a message to each of us thousands of years later, right? How true for Christians still today. This is just a temporary dwelling place. He has a place so much greater in store for us that we need to not spend so much time trying to make this our best life now because this is not going to be our best life. Even though there's popular books 
It's not our best life. Not even close. So, have you ever noticed how you walk through a cemetery, a lot of gravestones will have rest in peace. And I have to think that's probably so untrue in, in many cases. Only those people who have served and lived their life walking with God are ever going to rest in peace. Everyone else will experience anything but rest and peace. Jacob was concerned about this legacy he was going to leave behind, and the message was very clear. His message was, don't hang on to Egypt. Man, this is just a stop in the road. Our real home is the place that God has promised us. And I have to imagine Egypt, living in Egypt, was a little like living in America. Pretty nice place most of the time. Pretty good life most of the time. And it could be both good and nice, but it was never the passion of Jacob's heart. And Jacob wanted to leave this important message to his descendants. Don't fall in love with the things that Egypt has to offer. God has something better for you than this Egypt. And that message is still true today, right? Don't fall in love with the things of this world. Everything in this world is going to burn up. But God has something so much better for each of us. Better than the very best the world could ever offer us. It's waiting for us. There's an old saying that says, When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a manner that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. Pretty deep thought, right? So now we jump ahead. Jacob has passed away, and now his son Joseph is nearing the end of his life. And apparently Jacob did have quite an impact on the life of his son Joseph. Because Joseph asks his brothers to do the exact same thing for him. Don't let my bones stay here in Egypt. And Joseph had a pretty great life in Egypt. Very successful, second in command in the entire nation. Lots of money, incredible house, probably got a new chariot every year with like four to six horsepower. <laughs> nice, man. But his hope wasn't in Egypt. It was in God and his promise, both for him and for generations he knew that would come. So just like his father Jacob, Joseph wasn't so much thinking about his future as much as he was thinking about the future of his children, of his family, and the generations that were coming after them. He was thinking about the legacy his life would lead. And so at the end of his life, He's not thinking about how much power he had gained in Egypt. His only thought was what is going to live on after I'm gone. The hope of being in God's promises and not just enjoying the world's pleasures is the legacy he wanted to leave behind. There was a, this survey of, I don't know how many, it said a large number of people over the age of 90 were surveyed and asked one single question. 
It was an open-ended question. They could answer any way they wanted. There was no religion connected with it. There was no anticipated response. It was just the question. And among all the different answers given in this age group of people 90 and over, three answers came back the most frequently. The, The question was this. If you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? They could answer it any way they wanted. These were the three top response. The third one, the third most common response was, I would have taken more time to reflect. So in order to be more reflective, I've decided to wrap myself in aluminum foil with the shiny side out. Thank you. Nobody pays to get in here on Sunday mornings. I would have taken more time to reflect. That was their response. The second most popular was, I would have risked more. That can pay off or that can hurt. I don't know. But that was the second most popular response. I would have risked more. But the number one response that came back was, I would have done more things that would live on after I'm dead. That was the number one response. It wasn't Egypt's fame and accomplishment that really held Joseph's heart at the end of his life. It was in the future of God's people. That's what he was concerned about. And and a way to constantly remind them that their future, about their future, even after he was gone. So he tells them to promise to take my bones back home. That was Joseph's wishbone faith right there. Promise me you're going to take my bones back. Now, here's something very interesting also about the life of Joseph. Joseph died, we just read, at the age of 110 years old. And what's interesting about that is that in the Egyptian culture, they considered the perfect lifespan to be 110. And anyone who died at that exact age was considered to have divine favor on their life. Now, what's kind of neat about that is that Joseph's life was a witness to both the believer and the unbeliever. He was even going to leave behind a legacy in Egypt that God's favor had been on his life. Now, the fact was this, Joseph knew he was going to die in Egypt, but by faith, he was still seeing the promised land for his bones and for all of his descendants. And that's a principle that I can relate to, the principle of fact and faith. The principle of fact and faith. For instance, that all of you are physically present and sitting in this church, that is fact that I am physically standing here speaking to you, that is fact. That anyone is actually listening, that is faith. Right? It's the principle of fact and faith. But Joseph believed wholeheartedly in God's promises. And so by faith, he not only saw his bones, but also all of his descendants' bones ending up in the promised land. There are some things you just have to believe it to see it. 
Did you catch it? There's a lot of things that you just have to believe it to see it, which is the exact opposite of what the world wants us to believe, right? God's Word, though, is, is full of opposites like that. The first shall be last. The least shall be the greatest. To have abundant life, you need to die to yourself. But the world will tell us, look, I'll believe it when I see it, right? That's what we've grown up hearing. I'll believe it when I see it. And I tell you, that is a very, very dangerous attitude to have in life. That is an attitude that is going to flat keep you out of heaven. You say, wow, why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you only believe in what you can physically see, you are in some serious trouble. To inherit the kingdom of heaven, you have to have faith. God's entire plan for our eternal salvation is based entirely on faith, right? So if you only believe in that which you can see, then by very definition, by definition, you have disqualified yourself from faith in God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The NIV says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Man, there's, so, there's too many people that, that cop this attitude. You know, why in the world should I believe in God? I've never seen God. I don't know anyone that's ever seen God. Have you ever seen God? They have this attitude. I, I always want to say, it makes me want to say no, but do you believe you have electricity at your house? Well, yes. Have you ever seen electricity at your house? Well, no. Then what makes you think it's real? Well, I can see the power and the evidence of it. Boy, that's true, isn't it? If anyone here, if you don't believe that, you stick a butter knife in an outlet and you will experience, you will feel the power and witness the evidence thereof. I promise you. And you will be a believer. Oh, I've been zapped many times by 110, but I'm... So, the, the, it, the kingdom of God is, is this way. If we will just reach out and make contact with Him, we will feel His power and we will see the evidence of Him in our life and in our world, right? Absolutely. It's no different. So the heart of faith says, because I believe it, I'm going to see it. Because, let that be your motto, man. Because I believe it, I'm going to see it. 430 years later, Moses instructs his people to get Joseph's bones, we're heading home. That promise made hundreds of years before was never forgotten. And it was a rallying point for God's people to believe they were going to make it to the promised land. So Joseph's testimony, his legacy, was still inspiring faith for over 400 years after he had died. What probably seemed like kind of a crazy wish to most people was going to inspire faith for generations to come. 
Success in Egypt, that was not Joseph's legacy, right? Success in his faith, that was his legacy. Joseph's, his life pointed to something so much bigger and so much greater than Egypt. And the question that we would have to ask ourselves is, what is our life pointing to? What's our life pointing to? Is it success in this world or faith in God's promises? And when I say success in this world, we know it has nothing to do with being rich or poor at the end of our life, as the world would have us believe. Joseph's life and his death gave witness to his complete faith in God. So is is that what people see in us? Is that what people see in you when they're watching? People are watching, believe me. You may think nobody's watching. Somebody's watching. Maybe there's a whole bunch watching. What is your life? What's the legacy that, it, that it's leaving? What, what is it saying to people? There was a story about four pastors, and they were discussing their favorite translations of the Bible. The first one said, well, absolutely, the King James Version is the best you know, because of its eloquent, beautiful English. Another one said, well, no, the American Revised Version is, is absolutely better because it's closer to the original Hebrew and Greek. Another one said, I like the contemporary versions. You know, I, uh, I like the more up-to-date vernacular. And the fourth minister, he hadn't said a word up to this point. He said, you know, I think I liked my dad's translation best. And they all looked at him and said, well, I didn't know your dad ever translated the Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah, he said. He said, he translated it into everyday living, and it was the most convincing translation I've ever seen. That's what our lives should be, right? What's our life going to say to future generations? Is it, is it still going to be speaking life into future generations? The statement of faith made by Jacob and Joseph, man, it, it outlived their lifetime, we know, by over 400 years anyway. Really, we know it was by thousands and thousands of years because here we are still talking about it, right? Their confidence in God in their lifetime inspired faith in their defendants generation after generation. What wishbones of faith are you creating in your life? for your children and all those future generations to grab a hold of. Amen? Our life needs to be laying down this legacy of faith in God, not what the world calls success, because it's not going to last, is it? There's only one thing, only one success that's ever going to last, and that's an eternity in heaven with Jesus. If we don't experience that, we have failed. We've lost everything. Zero success. It's the really, it's the the word success, that's the only, that's really the only definition, isn't it? Eternity in heaven. That's a, that's the only thing that is success. So we just need to grab a hold of that. Amen. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.